Welcome. Please accept Jim and John's invitation to join them as they once again ask each other, what do you think about? Hey, John, what do you think about? Oh, well, I'm waiting. Are you still there? I'm not hearing anything. That's just it. I'm talking about La Zona de Silencio. For our Spanish-speaking audience, and as you were probably able to figure out on your own, John, this phrase translates as the zone of silence. It describes an area of desert located near Durango, the capital of the Mexican state of Durango. By the way, I bet you didn't know I was by, did you? I can go either Spanish or English. Um, I don't think you're saying what you think you're saying. I'm bi, man. Am bidextrous. I can speak two languages. I still don't think you're saying what you think you're saying. Yeah, anyway. Durango, Mexico. Home of the Dodge Durango. And Durango Boots, where these majestic creatures can be seen frolicking about in the humid subtropical climate of the state's northwestern areas and down into the semi-arid temperate climates of the remainder of their natural habitat. Just fucking with everybody. Durango Boots are made in China, not Mexico, and Dodge Durangos are manufactured in Detroit, Michigan, U.S. of A. But I can tell you, that back in the day, this patch of desert was once part of the seabed of the Tethys Ocean, which was, as I have it from the highest authority, Google, a prehistoric ocean situated between Guandana and Laurasia way back in the Mesozoic era. Cool. Remember, we talked about tectonic plates. Today, the area is littered with marine fossils and salt deposits and has become known as a region of high strangeness. One last note that I want to include is this. I'm a little miffed because I started work on this episode quite a while ago. I'd never heard of the topic mentioned in any other podcast that I listened to, and I listened to quite a few. So I was hoping to scoop everybody. Mm -hmm. However, since the completion of my episode, which was way back in mid-March of this year. Um, That's 2021 for anybody listening in the far, far future. Another podcast has mentioned it. Curses! So they scooped you. Yeah, they did. You know, you think you got something, but there's always somebody else who's got it too. Yeah, that's the thing about ideas. Right. Yeah. And syphilis. People. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they, uh, everybody else thinks they got the greatest idea for a business or a product. Right. Everybody's had the idea. Yeah. Right. Thousands of people. Yep. It's just that nobody did anything with it. Yeah. And I waited too long. You did. You slept on it. Yeah. You snooze, you lose. Yeah. I lose. Local lore claims that within this 31-mile-long zone of silence, various odd phenomena occur. Electromagnetic transmissions cannot be received here. Radios won't work. Cell phone reception is spotty. Imagine that. Cell phone reception is spotty out in the area of the Mexican desert. Can you hear me? Oh, I wish I could say that in Spanish. Well, you're, you're bi. Maybe I'm not bi. Not as bi as you thought, It really, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Compasses go haywire and refuse to point to magnetic north, 
their needles just spin crazily. Mutations of both flora and fauna abound, and extraterrestrials are said to frequent the area. Most horrifying of all, the local mestizos seem to be possessed of superior dental health with straight white teeth. Mm. Supposedly, these locals enjoy healthier lives than their neighbors dwelling outside of the zone. Well, they always blame a lot of this stuff on electromagnetic fields, right? Like Becky was always afraid we would get brain cancer if we lived too close to a high tension power. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think there's anything to it, but, you know, whatever. The weirdness was first documented, at least in modern times, in the 1930s when a Francisco Sarabia was flying over the area. He encountered radio anomalies, which forced him to execute an emergency landing. Wait a minute. Um, What were these radio anomalies? You know, I'm sorry you asked that. Because finding specifics was not an easy matter. As best as I can tell, his radio ceased functioning, presumably both receiving and transmitting, and his instrument panel went haywire. I guess that means he's altimeter, directional gyro, and whatever the fuck else they have started giving false readings or no readings at all. I don't know that they had that stuff in the 1930s. I don't know. Well, whatever it was that they had. It didn't work. It didn't work. Then, three decades later, this dude named Harry De La Pena came into the area. I got a Harry Pena, too. <laughs> and is credited as the individual who actually gave the region its bitchin' moniker. De La Pena was a Mexican engineer and chemist. He was surveying the path of a proposed oil pipeline in 1964. De La Pena, like Sarabia, reportedly encountered difficulties with radio transmission and reception. According to the website BeStillBeAwake.com, after performing many tests, Harry is the individual who coined the name The Zone of Silence. In an effort to beat John to the punch, I'm going to throw this out there. What were those tests? Yeah, what were those tests? Eh, that's not recorded on this or any other website that I came across. But he was testing. However, it has been reported that De La Pena's surveying team experienced issues with their electronic equipment. They were unable to communicate via walkie-talkies. The team also found that their portable radios did not work in the zone of silence. It seems that all they could tune in was one Simon and Garfunkel song. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to know what that song was, John? No, oh, I, I don't. The Sound of Silence. Yes, I figured. I'm not surprised, though, that they couldn't talk on their walkie-talkies. Did you ever try to have those walkie-talkies when you were a kid? We had toy ones, yeah. Yeah, right? And you always held the button in too long, or your friend wouldn't let go of the button, or whatever. Who the hell can talk on them? (laughs) Right, yeah. Or you went too far. (laughs) I assume theirs were better than what my brother had when we were kids, but yeah. In February of 1969, a meteor entered the Earth's atmosphere and fragmented in the nighttime skies over Pueblito de Allende in Chihuahua, Mexico, raining down to become meteorites, several of which nestled in the zone of silence. 
This became known as the Allende meteorite. It was so large that eventually over two tons of material were recovered over the 25 years following its arrival. Some of the fragments were as heavy as 16 pounds. That's a lot of space shit. That, and it's all falling on a single area. That'd be, that'd be kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. It was like attracted to this area. The meteor was so large and so bright that some witnesses reportedly thought the end of the world was upon them. I don't doubt it. There are claims that an astronomical number of meteorites can be found in the zone. Oh, oh that was a bad one, Jimmy. Advocates for the paranormal nature of the area claim that unusually high levels of natural magnetism draw the meteors in. That'd have to be some strong magnetism, though. To It would be. You'd have to go out that far. Yeah. Magnets don't go that far, right? I mean, that's a weak force. Yeah. I'm calling. Anyway, you know, whatever. If they want to say that, that's great. Knock yourselves out. Yeah. Anyway. On July 11th, 1970, the United States Air Force was conducting some tests. And, according to Wikipedia, an Athena RTV test rocket launched from the Green River Launch Complex in Utah, lost control, and fell in the Mapimi Desert region. The rocket was carrying two small containers of Cobalt-57. NASA rocket engineer Werner von Braun was sent to investigate the crash. What? Yeah. He's like an executive director of the program and stuff. Why would he be investigating? He must have been a big fuck up and he had to go clean up. Evidently. Yeah, there was there was some high level attention on this one. Right. And this Mapimi Desert region, the zone of silence is within it. Evidently, the search for the wayward missile took three weeks. And given the Cold War environment was sub rosa. Just for the record, the rocket was supposed to land about 400 miles south of its origin point down in New Mexico. So it was way off course. I bet it took a left turn at Albuquerque. I bet it did, too. That's very good. You beat me to it. The radiation from the Cobalt 57 is thought to be the cause of the reputed plant and wildlife mutations. But we'll get into that in a minute or two. Okay. Some people claim that the zone cannot help but be an area of high strangeness simply due to its geographical location. That is latitude 26.69139 degrees north. Okay. The zone falls within the 26th and 29th parallels and other sites of high strangeness and bizarreties within this belt include the Bermuda Triangle, The Dragon's Triangle, which is also known as the Devil's Sea, it's kind of a sister to the Bermuda Triangle. It encompasses a triangular area stretching from the Japanese island of Mayaki down to Guam, over to Taiwan, and then back again to Mayaki. It's home to various phenomena such as magnetic anomalies, precipitous changes in weather, maritime disappearances, whirlpools, ghost ships, and a whole smorgasbord of others. The Great Pyramid is in this belt. And John, who built or at least provided the technology for the Great Pyramid? I'm not saying it's aliens, Jimmy, but it was aliens. Take us to your leader, Earthman. And lastly, the Himalayas fall in there. 
home of the abominable snowman. If you're intrigued at all by any of these mysterious locations falling within the 26th and 29th parallels, then check out all the oddness that is taking place along the 33rd parallel. You can go to infinityexplorers.com. They have an article entitled The Mystery of Parallel 33. Everything is connected to this number. And ancientcode.com has a section called Mysteries of the Parallel 33. Well, I'll check those out myself. Maybe there's a podcast in there. It was uh, it was interesting reading. I didn't realize so many things were encompassed in that in that parallel in, in in within that yeah that stretch. Now, some of the occurrences that take place within this zone of silence are the mutations I mentioned earlier. The nopal cacti are found in abundance in the zone. This cactus, which is also known as the prickly pear, mm-hmm. is valued as a food source for both humans and livestock, as well as being used in folk medicine. Along the perimeter of the zone of silence, these cacti display their typical green coloration. But as you move deeper into the area, the colors run from pink to purple, in addition to the natural green. That sounds like it's be pretty. That's pretty cool. Animals also show some mutation. The rare Mapimi tortoise is a native to the zone. Unlike most tortoises, the Mapimi has no tail. The result, some claim, of genetic mutation caused by the Cobalt 57. Whoa, maybe we'll get to start as a giant lizard. Well, repellent purple-headed and tailed centipedes grow to the disturbing size of one foot. Oh! Yeah. They're so big, they actually hunt rodents and birds as part of their diet. That is, na- oh, that is, no, I didn't need that in my head. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the little ones. I, I do not want a foot long one. Uh-uh. Insects in the zone are reputed to grow up to three times their normal size. And albinism in reptiles is uh, a frequent occurrence. Now, as I said, Some people blame these mutations on the Cobalt 57 introduced into the area with the 1970 missile crash. However, this probably is not the cause. The Mapimi tortoise, also known as the Bolson tortoise, was first identified in 1959, 11 years prior to the mishap, and it didn't have a tail way back then. Right. Don't let the facts get in the way. Yeah. And the pink and purple of the nopal cacti are found in other areas and also were around well before the rocket crash. Again, let's not let facts get in the way of a good story. And lastly, albinism occurs throughout the animal world without requiring the United States Air Force to screw up and release radioactivity in the area. So I wrestled an albino guy in high school. Did you really? I really did. Who won? I did. Oh, wow. Congrats. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break right here before continuing on with uh, more strange occurrences within La Zona del Silencia. La Zona de Silencia. I found it both ways. That will give John some time to collect himself and prepare for at least a mention of his current hot topic. And we're back with UAPs and extraterrestrials within the zone of silence. 
And we're going to take a dip in the waters that are near and dear to my cohort, John. Yes, indeed. In addition to the fiery flights of meteors, other less easily explainable objects have been seen in the skies over the Zone of Silence. In his now out-of-print book, The Zone of Silence, Gary Hunt records an interview with Paco Suarez, part of which states, we saw a box-shaped group of lights hovering to the north very high. There was a mesa in the distance, and it began to lower behind it. Then it came toward us from behind the mesa. I admit, I was scared. I sat frozen on my horse. One September evening in 1976, a little before 9 p.m., the residents of Sabaos, Mexico. You don't sound so by at that moment. Which lies approximately 25 miles to the west of the zone of silence, reported seeing the following. On the outskirts of town, an enormous rectangular object hung silently in the sky. Reports as to its size vary wildly. Some claim it was 200 to 300 feet in length, while others estimate the length at 300 meters, which converts to about 984 feet. Yeah, I know a thousand feet long is something that that's hard to imagine, really. I mean, if you've seen an aircraft carrier, I think they're around that length, but they are enormous. The top of the rectangle was curved and glowing. White, green, and blue lights adorned the edges of the craft, pulsating in the gathering gloom. Some reports state that the object was silent, while others claim it gave off a deep humming noise. You know, I can believe that. The uh, older I get, the less I hear the deep stuff. Uh, Yeah, true. The lower frequency stuff you start to uh, lose. I don't know what it is, but it's 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 annoying because I like my music with lots of bass. <laughs> I'm all about that bass, about that bass. No treble. Yes, you are. You bet. Yeah. Uh, the thing then sped off into the night. Weird. It's there and it's gone. Yeah. And it was rectangular. We always see uh, flying triangles here in the States. Yeah. A big box is what they said, too, which makes it sound like it has depth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. If, they, if the people are in this town are saying they saw it, who am I to say they didn't, right? Right. AtlasObscura.com relates that very tall people in tight silver suits are often seen in the zone. The site goes on to explain this may have held some truth. During the missile cleanup in that area, people might have seen men in silver bio suits. Yeah, but I think then are often seen as misleading because that was 50 years ago. That's true. If they're still seeing them, I don't think they're looking for parts of the uh, missile anymore. The crash anymore. Mysteriousuniverse.org offers the following stories of strange humanoids encountered in this odd stretch of desert. On October 13, 1975, Ernesto and Josefina Diaz traveled into the zone of silence in search of fossils. Seeing that a storm was brewing and fearing the possibility of flash flooding, the couple returned to their truck and left. However, the storm overtook them and they were eventually stuck in mud. The two exited their vehicle and worked to free it from the mire. As they were working, two unusually tall men in yellow slickers and hats appeared, offering their assistance. Ernesto and Josefina re-entered their truck as the men began pushing, freeing the vehicle. Elated, Ernesto climbed from the cab to thank his saviors, 
but the men were gone. And much to his surprise, there were no tracks left in the mud to indicate that anyone had been there to assist in the freeing of the vehicle. Well, dude, you know, angels have to wear a raincoat if it's raining. That, 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 maybe. Again, in 1976, a photo of an argent object hovering over a magnetic hill was taken by a tourist. But I could not find a copy of it online. Eh, maybe so- someone else can. Ruben Lopez, while driving to visit a friend in Sabios, experienced engine trouble. His vehicle stalled, coming to a dead stop. Ruben then noticed that along the side of the road were gathered five of what he took to be children. Doing a double take, he noticed that the figures were wearing silver suits and helmets and had started to approach his disabled truck. Terrified, he kept trying to resurrect the engine until it awoke with a hitching, sputtering life. He managed to drive off, avoiding an encounter with the short, strange beings. Now, these are short, not tall silver men, but they're still silver. Still silver. Yeah, silver is silver. Yeah. Many area ranchers and travelers in the zone have reported seeing luminescent orbs flashing across the sky. Some have even claimed that these fireballs have descended to the desert, setting fire to the brush nearby. With the fact, though, that several meteorites have been found in this region, I wonder if these aren't just uh, meteors and meteorites that they're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Everybody wants it to be uh, supernatural or paranormal. My alien buddies. Yeah. All this information concerning La Zona di Silencio, including the very name of the region, is super cool, I think. However, as with many things, all may not be as it seems. Oh, are you going to now poo-poo our whole brain here? I'm going to poo-poo. Okay, go ahead. From what I could ascertain, the high volume of meteorites found in the area and the crash of the U.S. test rocket in 1970 are truthful, but the peripheral elements of the stories... Maybe just that. Simply fictional stories. The very fact that the U.S. Air Force and its retrieval of the missile acted in secrecy spurs some of those who are prone to thinking uh, conspiracy and shadow government activity. But the truth is closer to the fact that the U.S. was in the midst of the Cold War and didn't want the USSR to know its military testing and training and its failures. And it fucked up, yeah. Right, so they didn't want anyone to know that. A story is told of a local named Jaime who was hired by the U.S. military to guard the wreckage of the missile from vandals and souvenir seekers. Now, like most of us, Jaime enjoyed the prestige among his fellow residents afforded by his having been selected as trusted enough to hold this post as sentinel. Mm Mm-hmm. He also liked the dinero he was receiving in payment. Well, I kind of like getting paid, too. Observing all the looky-loos making the pilgrimage to the area to catch a glimpse of the downed rocket, 
Jaime supposedly came up with the idea to build a hotel in the area to provide housing for the tourists in cash for himself. In order to bring even more visitors to the site, Jaime and some friends began spreading tales of unusual features and sightings in the area, backing the yarns up with pseudoscience, psychobabble, and local folklore. Sure. Absolutely. There's a buck to be made. We're going to make up some stuff and sell it. And then they evidently were so persuasive that local media outlets got a hold of their stories and spread it even further and faster. Still today, hundreds of legend trippers converge on the zone of silence. Locals call them zoneros or silencios and are not shy to make a buck or peso off of the gullible travelers. Heck yeah, right? Yeah, I say more power to them. When these Zoneros see that their radios and compasses and cell phones are in perfect working order, even though they're within the zone, uh, the localites offer the explanation that the areas of interference are mobile and can sometimes be hard to locate. Hmm. AtlasObscura.com offers up two amusing anecdotes related to the responses of the natives to the tourists. Upon being asked where La Zona could be found, a local rancher told a carload of people that they needed to keep following the road until they saw Martians jump up from one side of the road or the other. (laughs) But the amazing part is he later commented that they believed him and thanked him for the information and went off driving. (laughs) And then... Another group of Zoneros arrived and asked how to get to the zone. The young guy that they asked, struggling to be polite and truthful, uh, replied, Nunca vas a llegar, which means you're never going to get there. That's, that's pretty funny. Apart from being a destination for international legend trippers, the Zone of Silence has also inspired a movie. In 2017, Aliens Zone of Silence was distributed as a direct-to-video release. I never heard of this movie. I didn't hear of it either. I looked it up, and it's out there. The premise of the film, as stated by imdb.com, is this. After a brother mysteriously vanishes from the Mexican desert, a young woman sets out to uncover the otherworldly truth about his disappearance. It's presented as a found footage movie. Oh, as long as the camera's not shaky, I'm okay with that. But when they get all shaky and stuff, I'm out. It received a 32% audience score with fewer than 50 reviews on RottenTomatoes.com. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't give my own opinion, but... uh, I can tell you it's available for rent on Amazon Prime. Uh, for rent, like for money? Yeah, you have to pay for this one. Oh, man. I'm kind of done with paying for stuff. And the guys from last podcast on the left, one of the uh, other shows that I listened to, covered the story of uh, the Zone of Silence in episode 447, the Koyame UFO crash. I highly recommend this podcast. I think it's really fun. They mostly cover true crime stuff, but sometimes they get into other topics. And they're the guys that scoot me. Oh, we're giving them a shout out, though. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I, I, I do like their podcast. Well, that's it for La Zona de Silencio. You know, I think it was more common to be like a Zona Silence, too, before everything was digital. Because I remember when I was, uh, I don't remember if we were in college at that point or not, but 
years and years ago, they somebody did a TV show where they had problems with their receivers and things in this area, but it was all analog. It was all just radio waves. You know, the satellite stuff and the, all those other kinds of things, they kind of make it easier to get coverage everywhere. Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, a real zone of silence is kind of messy. Fucking technology. It's just, this. Uh, yeah, I agree, because it'd be fun to camp there and not have your email going off every 45 seconds. <laughs> I ain't camping there because I ain't having no one-foot millipede crawling in my sleeping bag and doing whatever. He's just trying to get warm, Jim. He's just trying to get warm. Ugh. Maybe the claims of electronics going wonky are exaggerated or, you know, pure bullshit. But some of the elements of the story are fact. You know, the rocket crash and the meteorites, for example. Sure. And and I know that years ago, uh, maybe 25 years now, I saw stuff where people were saying there was the zone of silence and they did have these troubles. Like it was real. And just having the missile crash makes the place special. How many places can make that claim, right? Uh, I think they're all over New Mexico. And it'd be cool to dig up some meteorites. My dad actually found one once in our yard. In your yard? Yeah. It looked like a rock, but it's magnetic. He found it in mom's flower bed. No kidding. Did, did it hit your house? <laughs> it, it, well, his story was that it must have hit the garage roof and then just bounced down the, the roof and landed in the flower bed. And there was a look like something had smashed a shingle on the on the roof that's that's very cool i've always wondered about meteorites hitting your car or your house or something you know that would stink do you have that rock i have to find out where it is my mom kept it on the uh windowsill above their kitchen sink for years Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's still there or or where it got to that'd be fun to have well that's that and adios Desde la zona de silencio. Oh, you sounded so totally by then. What do you think about is co-written by John Gordos and Jim Durman. Our theme music in suspense is provided by podsummit.com. Thanks to everyone who is and or has listened to the podcast. We've actually been heard in 33 countries now. Wow, that's excellent. Of course, the data doesn't tell us whether there are any repeat listeners. If you haven't done so already, and if your listening platform allows you to do so, please take the time to rate our podcast. If there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover, or if you just want to hear your name mentioned in a podcast, drop us a line at wdouta at gmail.com or just type anchor.fm forward slash wdouta into your browser and press enter. That'll bring up our anchor page, which will allow you to leave us a voicemail message. If it's cool, we'll play it on the air. Hell, even if it isn't cool, we'll probably play it. Also, check out our Facebook page, anchor.fm forward slash WDOUTA for updates on releases. I put them out there sporadically. Copyright 2021 by John Gordos and Jim Newermuth. The Nopal Cock. Nopal Cock. And received a 32 uh, with fewer than 50 refute. What do you think about is usually co-written by John Gordos and Jim Durmuth. Why did I put that? You were feeling shitty because you had to write the whole thing.